Hello, I'm Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Lathan. Check out the Ringerverse podcast from The Ringer for all things superhero movies, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. We have instant reviews and fun takes on all the latest news and more available now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast from Ringer FC. I'm Misa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks, man. How are you? Very well, thanks. Good weekend. Caffeinated. Yeah, very good. Uh, lots of football. Lots of football. I don't know if there was so much football as much as eventful football. I thought the Premier League was quite silly on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. The one criticism I have of, of football is that... Just one? Well, uh, yeah. I just like the games not to be too dramatic late into Sunday night because it was like I was watching on Sunday night and going oh my goodness these games are still very dramatic you know what I mean like it was like the entire weekend was dramatic and the games on Sunday night you know they're normally you know they're normally reasonably quiet but these ones went off as well would well, you remember like, I think it was last season that the Sunday night La Liga game and the season before and it's kind of spread into this this year as well the Sunday night La Liga games were always just must watch extremely dramatic yeah, yeah. this was the same again very dramatic yeah yeah Let's do a quick bit of admin before we get on with today's show. So, um, first of all, hope everyone's staying safe and well, getting vaccinated yep, yep. if you can. Uh, Righty's house this week will be Moyoa and myself joining Righty, and we're going to talk about Jimmy Greaves, who sadly passed away on the weekend. We're going to save that for Righty's house because I feel like Righty's house is the better place to talk about the all-time top goal scorer in. England's top flight. I agree. I a record that agree. will probably never, ever be broken. Right. Hard to accurately describe just how much of an elite finisher this guy was. I thought it was quite fitting that Spurs played Chelsea, obviously the two clubs that he's most famously associated with, and uh, two clubs that he scored a hell of a lot of goals for. He did, um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, really sad. And uh, thoughts with family and friends, because that's, that's another big one. But yeah, we'll talk about that on Wright's House. Um, but yeah, don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Uh, I'll have a piece going up this week. It'll actually be, it's not a football piece. It'll be an F1 piece, but we'll also talk a little bit about the Schumacher documentary on Wright's house because it's on Netflix. It's really good. And we like doing a couple of bits like that on Wright's house. So make sure you check that. Um, Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. If you want to listen to all the music we play out on each episode, just search for Stadio Outros on Spotify. Newest ones at the top. We're over like 14 hours of music at the moment on the. 14 hours. Goodness me. Good grief. 
any other admin? Oh yeah, if you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. Be very, very kind. And I think that is all the admin. So today we're going to talk about what we're all here to talk about. The football. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, man. So we were going to start in Italy this week, but we felt maybe we should start with the Premier League because it was quite a big Sunday of games. There were some quite silly decisions. Shall we start at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? Because I think this is probably the one that will be quite easily um, Let's explainable. Yes, let's go there. Uh, Spurs nil, Chelsea three. A game of two halves. Indeed. Chelsea really turned the screw in the second half after Spurs' minor f- and fleeting flurry of pressing and high intensity in the first. I thought Nuno, to be honest, <laughs> with, all, with all due respect to Nuno, I did think he hyped just how good Spurs were a little tiny, tiny bit. You had to, though. You have to, but you've you got, you got to back your people. Like, this is the thing about Chelsea, right? There's different ways that people have taken on dominant teams. Man City, the thing has been, let's absorb the shock and then counterpunch. And for Chelsea, it seems to be, if you look at the last three teams, I mean, if three, three straight performances looks like a copycat. So if you look what Villa, then Zenit, and then Spurs did in the first half, they've all gone at the, the midfield and mm-hmm. it's yielded something like, you know, against um, Villa, it yielded the substitution of Sal Niguez at halftime. Here, it yielded the substitution of Mason Mount at halftime. Zenit were unlucky not to get something, I think, because they counterpunched really well, but they also went at Chelsea in the open field. You know, I think Spurs found like decent gaps and they caught Chelsea a bit. We said this before, like Chelsea are going to get everyone's best this year, but we weren't sure what that best would look like. We thought mm-hmm. the best might be, you know, absorb it. But actually we've seen some quite audacious approaches. Having said that, that's three straight games where people have gone at Chelsea and they got three clean sheets. Yeah. What I love about Tuchel at half time, you know, he's very, very frank and he's like, you know, took off Mason Mount and brought on N'Golo Kante, which is frankly a nice, oh, what a genius change. Well, yeah, it's nice to have N'Golo Kante on the bench. But having said that, it was bold because he said something interesting, Tuchel. He said, um, we were trying to win the game with skill and we forgot to be aggressive. And I quite, I like that he admitted that. You don't often hear that, do you? You don't often hear someone say, you know, it was a derby, we weren't intense enough, if that makes sense. I think he's he's one of the best managers in the Premier League that so clearly explains his decision-making process through the game. And it's something that we've touched on with Tuchel quite a number of times. I remember writing a thing last season when Pulisic was left on the bench for a game. Mm. And a lot of people were reacting really wildly to the fact that Pulisic wasn't starting. And I was just like, no, Tuchel likes to manage games as a whole. And just because the players who start are starting, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily his preferred players for the whole 90 minutes yes. and Pulisic came on once the, once the defence or the opposition was tiring I can't remember who, who, who they played against and it basically just worked out perfect 
He found yeah. loads of spaces. I think he got an assist, maybe even a goal. And I think the same thing happened against Spurs where Kante came on, completely changed the game for Chelsea. It just seemed that everything glued together. Mm. But I also think that the introduction of Werner really helped. Yes, and always helps. Pretty always helps, doesn't and it? And yeah. I think Timo Werner's in a really interesting transition phase at the moment of his playing style because the arrival of Lukaku at Chelsea meant that he's going to nail down that number nine role, which the lone number nine role for Werner was never fully suited to him anyway. Right. But what he has, even though he hasn't scored a huge amount of goals since joining Chelsea, what he has contributed really well is keeping defences occupied, finding spaces amongst that, and actually bringing other people into play. And I thought his assist for Rudiger's goal on the weekend kind of was a real demonstration of that. He had that, a few minutes before, he had that that chance where he could have finished and he was a little bit timid with it. Inside left, yeah, yeah. And then he kind of doesn't really let it bother him He's quite a confidence player in terms of finishing, but I think in terms of his all-round game, it doesn't really matter. He he will never, he will never not put in maximum effort. Yeah, he keeps the final third occupied. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of role that you could probably see him playing a little bit more under at Tuchel at Chelsea. This player who comes on later in games, finds spaces, isn't necessarily a super prolific goal scorer, but it's still a bit of a pest, and. Um, yeah, just again, another real, really good example of Tuchel managing the whole game. And there was one thing he said about Kante, which I thought was amazing, where he just said, um, he's unique, he's one of a kind. Like, that's why we bring him on. He's he, based on paraphrasing, but he was essentially saying, we have this tool here that kind of no one else has. Do you know, it's so funny you say that because I think Kovacic is like that as well, in his own way. Like, no, he's not as, you know, obviously a go to Kante is an mm. absolutely elite. And I think Kovacic is, you know, very, very good. And maybe a notch below Kante just because Kante is, you know, otherworldly at his peak. But Kovacic, I think, is again, there's a funny thing that Tickle does every year, right? There's like one or two players who basically jump out 20%. Mm. Rude, he did that with Rudiger. And I think now we're seeing with Kovacic, like Kovacic is someone who, you can throw two men at Kovacic coming out of defence and he'll just beat both of them. We saw that. But now he's like, the assists are coming and there's this parts of his game that are coming together. And now we're like going, oh my goodness, this is why Zidane always had this man in and around the squad mm. for that run of three straight. Like, this is why this man was always at training. He was always involved. And I think, you know, what I think is amazing about Tuchel is not only that he, I love that he gives those props, but he brings out uniqueness. Yeah. Like there is something unique about Rudiger, like who scored again yesterday. Like there's something about- Arguably the Premier League's best defender. I mean, that's- Definitely a- centre back. I mean, I like that as a shout a lot, actually. I mean, what he's There was a most improved in the Premier League. Yeah, a de- he without question. He'd be well up for a shout. Do you see what I'm saying though? Like the, mm. the, you know, the uniqueness thing, I think that's a great shout with Kante. And also, I think it, it also applies. If you look at, did Chelsea have the highest percentage of unique players in their starting 11? Rudiger, Harvards, Werner. Well, not starting, but squad. Kante. That these are players that like, they create a unique type of problem. Mm. Werner is a horrible problem. Werner's like that sort of, it sounds like a terrible thing to say, but, um, you know, an Ant-Man gets really small and gets inside the suit and you just can't, yeah. and he's just dismantling <laughs> everything. Yeah. He's dismantling everything. That is Timo Werner because no one takes him seriously, much like, right. much like Ant-Man. No the one really one takes, takes him, him seriously. The, the, the only one that takes him seriously are like the ultimate villains, right? Like Pep takes Werner incredibly seriously and has probably thought, he's probably I'm thought talking as about much fans, about- actually. Yeah, no, of course, yeah. I would say that, you know, the elite coaches think as much about Werner, I would say, as any other player. This guy t- 
tore Real Madrid apart in the Champions League, obviously did it to City. I just like watching teams that create problems. I, just like, I, yeah. I love watching I teams mean, that create attacking problems. This is the thing with Timo Werner, because he went through that dry spell at Chelsea, and I think that a lot of people didn't really watch a huge amount of him before that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, And also just thought he was just a goal scorer, and that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that he has so many other aspects to his game that he can contribute in an attacking sense that may not, if you look through numbers, it may not look that great. Or even maybe, maybe on the eye test, it may not look that great. But yeah. uh, there's a reason that he's always involved in some capacity. We call it in basketball, isn't it? Spacing, isn't it? He creates yeah. spacing and that's the thing. Yeah, so actually, really- that's really funny you said that because me and Mayoa were texting last night about the PSG game. Maybe it's something I'll touch on later, but I was saying I, I made a reference to kind of spacing the floor and actually that, how I think that's kind of PSG's problem at the moment in the attacking sense. Um, let's touch on Spurs very quickly because obviously Chelsea, mad props, and we'll talk about them a hell of a lot more this season as we will Spurs. But back to back 3 0 defeats for Spurs after three very tidy 1 0 wins. Mm. As I'm throwing a hot take. Oh, there's no. a danger of draw- then there's a danger of drawing the wrong. You know what it is? When you have bad results, there's a danger of drawing the wrong conclusion from bad results, I think. And there's a real danger, not for maybe Spurs coach, but, but fans may be looking at this going, oh, like we're really, no, like we're not, not trash at all. This beating in the air by Thiago Silva at set piece happens to the best of them. Mm-hmm. Terrible deflection for Kante's goal. And by the time Rudiger scores, you know, it's kind of over by the shouting. But in terms of what Spurs did, there's a lot to be taken from that. Yeah. And most teams will not withstand what Spurs did to them in the first 45. They really won't. Fair. Especially with Son coming at you like that, I think. Yeah, and I think that they're still getting used to a new manager and obviously Harry Kane is yet to hit form. He hasn't got a goal this season in the league. Um, so not panic stations yet, but I can understand why back-to-back 3-0 defeats in, in a week can maybe take a little bit of, a, of the gloss off something that, what, even though they were top of the league, wasn't really particularly shiny. Mm, yeah, 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 that's right. Um, let's quickly go to another 3-0 win because it, it's drawn up a really interesting statistical weirdness at the top of the league. Liverpool beating Palace 3-0. Sadio Mane's 100th Liverpool goal. Yes, and then the other one, yeah. And Mane has scored like, what, nine times against Palace, is it? Yeah, he's a new record. And I think in nine straight games against Crystal Palace. Um, wild. Which is so, such <laughs> a wild start. It's so funny how teams, how players have got certain <clears throat> teams, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said this. You said well. You said this to Wrighty last week as well. But, yeah, players um, have got. Is that, what is it about certain players and certain teams? What is it because even the types man. of goals they might score are different. Yeah, there's something about matchups and space and where they, you know, maybe like um, the gap between the centre back and the defender isn't there when the d- defender parry the goalkeeper parries it away, and you just know that's where the chance are. So you go sniffing there. But it's, it's so funny how, like you know, Luis Suarez and Norwich, mm. poor Norwich, and it. It wasn't just normal goals. It was always something spectacular. It was like, oh, he got a hat-trick or maybe he won't do it this time. And then he goes and gets four against them. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Ibrahim Kanate made his debut for Liverpool and thought, I thought he did really well, actually. Dana, Christine pointed this out. Completely different back four. I didn't clock it because yeah. I was watching different games. Completely different back four to the Milan game. Completely different. That. Yeah. His reaction to Naby Keita's goal, by the way, was so good because obviously they know each other from Leipzig. Right. Right. And Keita hit that volley that went in, which was a lovely goal. Yeah. And um, did you see the celebration where they were all kind of hooded around him and you could just no, see Canate, Canate, Canate looking Canate. around, just kind of being like, basically like he wow, said. Wow, the party. Navi Keita. Navi just did that. Like Navi just did that. Like but, the old times. Um, it's uh, Liverpool's win, obviously, and Chelsea's win 
has drawn up a really, really interesting quirk at the top of the tables. So this is a tweet from Michael Reed from Opta. Chelsea and Liverpool this season are the first pair of teams in English top flight history to share the exact same score lines in the same order in each of their first five league matches of the season. Both have won 3-0, 2-0, drawn 1-1, 1-3-0, and then 1-3-0 again in that order. Wow. Which that is, is a really so great. I love that. What a great foreshadowing that is and what a great reflection that is of the title race as I think it will be. I think it will be in terms of the balance so early days, but the balance of those teams, I think, is really interesting. Well, before we I maybe think, move on to yeah. the other contenders, yes, can we give a shout to Villa, who beat Everton 3-0 on Saturday? And that was a great win. Villa Park was so loud. <laughs> so loud. Like, to the point where it was, on the feed that I was watching it on, it was kind of distorting. It was, like, clipping a bit. And the commentator so was so hype, it was clipping. Um. Leon Bailey got his first proper goal for Villa, which was an absolute beauty to seal it off after he had a shout for the second one, which went down as a Luca Dean own goal. Great corner. Matty Cash's first goal as well for Villa, which led to the, the celebrations. Amazing. Amazing line on commentary. Matty Cash on the money. <laughs> How long has someone been waiting for Matty Cash to score to drop that line? That's been the drafts a long time. You know, you know what's funny about that goal as well? The way that he scores the goal and he's like, do you know what it reminded me of? It was very Sunday league. You know, like in a Sunday league team when like a player that doesn't score many scores and everyone mm. tries to mob them and they're like, no, 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 no. I'm you, away. I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this by myself because I don't get these moments. And he was just like, nah, nah. And he was like, no, don't, don't touch me yet. Not that he was being selfish, but he was like, you know, if you're Danny Ings, you get that experience. Like you get that one, once every like, once every game and a half, you get that experience. But he's like, no, I need to get this euphoria out. I need to like really live this. It's nice to see him having his moment. Uh, um, fine player too, fine player. That's going to sting for, for Everton though. Rafa's first competitive defeat. They've got Norwich at home next and then they go to Old Trafford. Anything of note from the Everton side or do you think they're just, it's just one of those results? I mean, I just honest, think Villa I, Park, when Villa Park goes like that though, this is the thing. there are and they a few stadiums in England that can make, that, that are so loud. Shout out to their recruitment as well, Villa. Oh, because yeah. I think it was Ings and Bailey combined for that beautiful goal mm-hmm. that passed by Ings for the long pass for, the, uh, for Bailey goal. What a vindication of a transfer strategy that is. Yeah. I love to see that. I love to see that. Well, they said that, didn't they? When, when they sold Grealish and signed Buendia, Ings and Bailey, they said that they couldn't replace Jack Grealish. So they signed three players that combined bring the skill sets that Jack. Love that. And yeah. You spread the risk. You spread the risk as well. So you don't risk that kind of one player getting injured and then you plummet down the table. Well, yeah, but also so many clubs fall into that trap. They lose a marquee player and then they try and just replace it with, replace yeah. them with a marquee player. Um, yeah. I think it's really smart recruitment from Villa. They're in a really good place. And also, even though Jack Grealish isn't there anymore, you still have Matty Cash who is holding the torch for, or carrying the torch for wearing kits that are just maybe one potentially one and a half sizes too small <laughs> too small <laughs> like <laughs> headband cash, and cash, all man cash, cash like, went he went under the radar with Grealish because of you know the undersized kit thing he went under the radar but I was yeah. like this man's going I think he's waiting for his moment Matty Cash and Jack <laughs> Grealish have blatantly got like a, a DJ duo project together called Cashlish they, they just have they really do like Cashlish boiler room coming soon like do you know what I'm not even mad at it I would definitely you know go why? to that. I definitely because it's 100% that. true. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> 
just a quick shout out to Southampton. Great obviously, point. great point in City and Brentford beating Wolves. That is, a, I love that result. Actually, can I just quickly say for Southampton, considering how you know Pep was right, he foreshadowed that he said it's going to be a really tough. He said it, you. and everyone was, like, everyone was like, "Oh, Pep's just saying it because Pep says that." You know, it's oh my goodness, Bournemouth, great team, beats him four 0 Eddie Howe, great coach, beats him four 0 But this was actually this felt different. His warning, he meant it. And I think, look, I think already, this is very early days in the Premier League. I think Pep is absolutely seething they did not get Harry Kane. Just when you hear him talk about, when you hear um, Tuchel talking about Kane and going, yeah, yeah, like we just assumed Kane was going to City. That was just like, you know, other yeah. clubs had already planned for a Manchester City team with Kane at the spearhead. They mm -hmm. were just thinking, they were getting themselves geared up for it. It didn't happen. If they were geared up at other clubs, then there's no reason why Pep wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like this is a moment where he's like, I know I can get goals in certain matches, but I can't get specific. We said that, you know, to be an elite nine, you don't actually need a nine to score in all the games. You need them for about maybe what, 10, 15 games a season. Mm -hmm. But one of those games is the game like the other day, unfortunately. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I think he's, I think he's bothered by that. Oh, definitely. A quick shout for Watford, their first winner, their first league win since the opening day when they stuck three past Norwich. They've got a couple of beauties as well. Some really they nice counter-attacking. Yeah, um, yeah. Ismail Saar. Yep. Two. The doppelpack, as they say in Germany. Dennis, I said, we'll get you like stop here. And I said, 15 Premier League goals. That's mm. my take and I'll stick to it. Maybe you should change it to Ismail Assar. No, I've got to, you've got, you've got to stick to a hot take. That's the thing. You've got to stick to it. Second win of the season for them. Three mm. straight defeats in the league. So that's put a halt to it. Yeah. Tough for Norwich. Uh, not so tough for Brentford. Great result for them. A 2-0 win away at Wolves. Ivan Tony with a goal and an assist. I just generally looking Top extremely half. lively. Yeah. It's great to see that. Let's get on to the Silly Sunday. Yes, let's do it. Should we just quickly touch on Brighton Leicester before we move on to West Ham Manchester United? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Brighton are in the top four and maintaining their pretty good form. Mm. The defeat to Everton, their only drop points in the league this season so far. Graham Potter said something really interesting afterwards where he said, We haven't really dominated any games, but you know, when the XG gods are looking kindly on you. <laughs> <laughs> Graham Potter is the base XG god. He is. <laughs> Look, expected goals 1.56 to Brighton, 1.53 to Leicester. Yeah. They won the XG battle and they won the war. They did. Uh, they were helped a little bit though because they were, they were. I think their penalty was extremely generous. Yeah. I actually think that it should have been a foul on Yannick Yeah, Westergaard. yeah. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair blatantly had hold of his arm there was actually there were two or three Brighton players in the box who had hold of Leicester defenders arms yanking down on Vestergaard's arm blatantly causes the handball I can't yeah. really understand why that was given to be honest but um, and then the two ruled out equalisers both because <laughs> Harvey Barnes was standing in an offside position kind of impeding the Brighton goalkeeper Robert Sanchez what did you think about those two I can see, I, I'm much more. I thought the first one was fair. Those, those make more sense to me than much more sense. I didn't make the weird thing is because the penalty was felt so, because the penalty felt so unjust, the other decisions felt fine by comparison, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. It's weird to say that, but like, yeah. That's, Maybe I, that's I, I the saw, way to do it as a referee, just give an absolute howler in the first five minutes and then every other decision is going to be based, yeah, just like, breaks quite the kindly game. because the first one's such a shocker. <laughs> maybe that was, maybe, maybe that, but you know, you know how like there is some, there's, there's always that challenge though as a referee where you like, you let the play flow. And if you let the play flow, then bad tackles start coming in. 
and everyone will praise you. Everyone praises you if you do like make, if you make decisions, if you make, let the game flow, but then the bad tackle comes in and was like, oh, the referee lost control of the game. You can't really win actually. Mm. Uh, but I, the thing I worry about with these penalty decisions, um, so we saw a bad one, we'll get into that in a sec, but a terrible penalty, well, sounds harsh, I don't want to be too crooked. I, I, I think it was a suboptimal penalty decision, Leon PSG. Poor oh, yeah, Leon. We'll, we'll talk about uh, that. We'll, we'll talk about that. But like, there's a thing where people review penalties and still give them. And I wonder if, I don't know if it's overthink. Sometimes the VAR gives people room to overthink and they stare at it and st- they give it. And they're, they're like, you know, we assume that just because someone can review a penalty decision, they'll overturn it. But actually they end up doubling down, which is really weird. And I wonder if that's about authority or staking a claim. I don't know what it is, but whatever it's. Well, in the Schumacher documentary, his former manager was talking about how Michael Schumacher was a Capricorn, right? And he was just like, and if you know Capricorns, they will never, ever, ever admit they're in the wrong. So it'd be quite interesting to go through and look at all the referee star signs and if every single referee is actually a Capricorn. That is, do you know what's so funny? It's so funny. (laughs) Do you know what, (laughs) do you know what's funny how you brought, you brought horoscopes now to foot? (laughs) First of all, I love that you've mentioned that as a concept. There's another concept I want to throw at you, right? This is not in relation to this game, but I've got to say it on now the podcast before I forget. I noticed over the, over Europe this weekend, there were about two or three own goals where the players were so stressed out of the approaching striker, they just basically put the ball in the net themselves, almost just to be at peace. Happened for Bochum, happened to Tammy Abraham was prowling. And I was like, hang on a minute. Are there, you know, they've got the own goal. There's also the earned goal where it's like certain players are so stressful that the defender will just like put it into their own net to end it all. Yeah. They'll be like, this is this guy. And I wonder, I wonder if you go through the own goals and look at like the player that was lurking, there are some players who have a disproportionately high number of like earned goals, I think, if that makes sense. And I reckon like, obviously Lewandowski is one of them. Tammy Abraham, I think is definitely one of them. Who's just, whose presence is so terrifying. You're like- Unexpected fear. <laughs> yeah, and it's exactly expected fear. So yeah. Horoscopes and Capricorn. <laughs> there you go. You know, that's going to be a thing now. All the refs are Capricorn. It's a Capricorn. You know what's going to happen now when people, it's so funny, right? When people now see that a stubborn, a stubborn referee, they'll be like Capricorn. Capricorn. They'll be checking. Yeah, yeah Capricorn. I've that's just a had a quick decision. look at the PGMOL website and it does turn, it turns out that every single person who is <laughs> officiating in the Premier League this season is actually a Capricorn. It's a Capricorn. There you go. <laughs> uh, don't bother checking that. Just trust me. You don't need to check. Just, just trust me. Listen, if you, if you listen to the stadio, don't worry what's in the horoscope. All right, let's touch on probably the silliest one of the Sunday, West Ham, Manchester United. Cristiano Ronaldo equalised for Manchester United, his fourth in three games. And Cristiano Ronaldo is becoming a six-yard box monster. There's something to be said. It's, it's, the, initial, it's the initial movement and it's also alive to the parry as well. Mm. And that's the thing. I think a lot of, I mean, Sadio Mane, we saw it for him against um, Palace. You know, really just the art of following up. And, you know, United did well to get back into that. They had um, a deflected strike, came off Varane uh, for the opener. I thought the curse was back, Musa. Yeah, yeah. Thereafter, United, it was a strange one because United had so much of the play, but they, the strategy towards hitting through ball seemed to be, let's just hammer it through the gap before it closes. But the problem was there was no one through the gap. Like, and I think that United, I think when they're playing against deep line defences, and they said this a thousand times before, they've got to get better at constructing good quality of chance uh, by spacing a deep line team. And that, that's not an easy thing to do. Like we know it's not an easy thing to do, but I think it does still separate 
I think I think their ball movement, I think United's attacking patterns don't have at this point the sophistication of those three teams that are consistently above them. That's where the coaching bit comes in, and isn't that, it? That's, that, that's, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Solskjaer is totally in a, just like Angola Kante is one of a kind and he's so unique. I actually think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is like that in the Premier League where he has a top job with elite players and he's done a pretty good job. Yeah, excellent. Excellent on the man man management. However, there there are these moments where you look at the difference between a Chelsea side and a Manchester United side. And Manchester United may take points off Chelsea this season. It doesn't really change the fact. There are the vibes moments. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bruno Fernandes played as if he was on a shot clock. It was like an NBA Mm. shot clock. Like he had 24 seconds to release, to get the through ball off. And I was like, Mm, like I don't know about this as an approach because it feels, you know, that is his approach to a large extent, but it's like, you know, the ball circulation wasn't there. And I know that him and him and Pogba offer a blend. Pogba's style is weirdly, I think it's strange. His style is too, too intense. I compared like a grime MC, it's like gets before gets calmed down. Mm-hmm. And Pogba's style, I think is actually a bit too deliberate. I think Pogba deliberates actually sometimes in the wrong spaces. The moment he breaks in the first half, I think no, the second half Pogba breaks and doesn't get the ball out of his feet quick enough and doesn't manage to transition quickly enough. And it's weird because that's not a thing that he actually does for France so much. Mm-hmm. Pogba for France actually is hyper-efficient in those spaces in a way that he's not for United. And I think, if I'm honest, I think he can kind of get away with it a bit more United, if I'm honest. Now, that challenge for United is going to, like, they found the goal and it was a gorgeous strike from Lingard. Oh, so good, man. And everything about it was beautiful. Even like, the class with which he was applauded by the West Ham fans. He came mm-hmm. on, even before he came on, they were chanting for him. He comes on, he gets a standing ovation for much of the ground. He scores. And then despite McTominay's encouragement, you know, Carl pointed this out, Carl Anker pointed this out. Despite McTominay's encouragement from to so celebrate, naughty. Like, I'm having, yeah, I'm having none of it. Like I'm not celebrating. Yeah, no. We got like nine and 16 for them in that run towards the Europa League. So they're really happy with him. Um, but, so they found the goal in the end, United. But here's the thing. Yes, it's heroic. Yes, it's great. Yes, David, David De Gea pulled off a great save from Mark Noble for the, you know, well, not the best penalty, but he pulled off a great save in the last minute to save the points. But that last ditch stuff, we can all say, oh, it's the United way, but that game should have been out of sight 25 minutes before, half an hour before. And the reason why this matters, of course, is because in the course of a long season and fatigue kicks in, squad manage is really important. And we all love a last minute victory, don't get me wrong. But in the course of a season, your players are going to get exhausted because you can't do that. You can't be pushing games to the very edge. You've got to be managing games better. And United won a game this weekend, which is wonderful, wonderful result. And they lost a the game. But in both cases, the same issue was there. It was game management in the late stages. Should we talk about the decisions? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. First, my first question is, should West Ham have had a penalty from the Aaron Wan-Bissaka challenge on Thomas Suchek that got given as a Manchester United free kick? I think so. I think so I think, as well. I think so. That's I one. So. We're one for one. Yeah. Should Cristiano Ronaldo have had a penalty for the first one? Mm, I'm judging it by the course of the weekend decisions. Not, not Do you know what this was? This was big, uh, this was big stick with the umpire's decision energy. You think, you think so? I think if Atkinson gives that, it doesn't get overturned. And Atkinson's not averse to a big decision. So yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, I think that was more of a penalty than the second one on Zuma. Even though Zuma lunges in, Ronaldo's at 45 degrees before Zuma's anywhere near him. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? And he knows what he's doing. And to be honest, if he just hurdles the challenge, he probably gets there anyway. 
Right, right. But also, again, with the Zuma one, I think if he gets it, I don't think it gets overturned, even though I think it would be harsh. I think right. it's one of those, I think, like, visually it looks like a penalty, but actually in reality, you know what's going on there, and it's probably not a penalty. Right, right. Well, one thing I'm sympathetic to, to any strike in that situation, you know, when you seek contact, I think it's still fair play. And the thing is, it wouldn't, yeah. if it had been given... I don't think it many wouldn't people, been, yeah. If it had been given, I don't think it's a problem. No, I don't think I it's agree. like, there's, not, there's not a huge, and that's the thing I think the, the key with penalty shouts, like if it's given, you don't go, oh my gosh, penalty. No, no, that's, that's so what a penalty should look like. So we're saying West Ham should have had one. Manchester United should have had one. I think that's right. Yeah, that's fair enough. And that's then West fair. Ham did get one, yeah. which was fair. Yes, I think it was absolutely fair. I think it was fair. And then Moyes brought on Mark Noble, which... Uh, do you know what this decision thing I can kind of get I can kind of get and I kind of don't I, I mean he, it's like he said afterwards he, he said it's like he's got one of the best pe- penalty takers in the Premier League and in Europe bring him on but I just think it's such a weird I still think it's such a weird thing to do, do you know what it's not even necessarily being physically warmed up it's being mentally warmed up right this is the thing someone wrote to me and said it's the shock that he missed and I'm like it's not a shock he, it's not a shock to me that anyone misses if anyone mm. comes on into a situation like that and like you know a loud ground a huge, you know, that's always been, that's historically a big fixture. West Ham United has been a big game for decades, right? Every yeah. decade that's been a big game. To come in, in that context with all the expectation and do that, that's, you know, and David De Gea actually hadn't saved a penalty for a very long time. He hadn't saved since 2016, tonight. I think. My goodness, yeah. So there was all, there was so much going on there. But again, it wasn't a massive shock to me that that happened. It's just, it's one kick and you're not like, you're not locked in. Some of those ones where, you know, he goes in, it's like, he goes in, it's like he's the hero, but it felt like an unnecessary risk, I guess. If this was the NFL, we would never see Mark Noble ever again. <laughs> yeah, special teams, yeah. yeah. Uh, Manchester United must be worth pointing out that even though they haven't really hit top gear yet, I don't think by any means. Yeah. Level on points with Chelsea and Liverpool at the top. Inferior goal difference, which is why they're third. You know they like? They like Zidane's Madrid in some way. They're, they're very effective in many ways. And at their best, they're utterly compelling, but there's also something slightly makeshift about them. Yeah. And also you've got players to come back in, remember. I think that's why Varane settled in so well. He's like, oh, I've seen this oh, before. Yeah. I know this. One, three straight Champions Leagues with us. Same energy, yeah. Three. <laughs> and then Musa cursed me. I, was, I oh, delivered three straight Champions League and then he cursed me. Scared. This is why I can never go to Old Trafford when Varane is there. He'll walk out the tunnel and Varane just stops. And everyone's like, why has Varane just stopped? Like everyone else is still walking out and he's just looking around and he just looks directly at Musa in the crowd and just points to him. He'll be like, security! <laughs> Remove that man. <laughs> Get that bit. Um, anything else on the Premier League before we take a break? No, I think we're good. Sure? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
All right, man, where do you want to go next? I would like to go to Serie A, actually. Let's do it. Yeah. Do you want to begin in Turin? Yes. Juventus against Milan. I love this game. It was a good game, huh? I absolutely loved it. So many great intrigues. Ended one all. Do you know what they could have done? They could have made it 40 minutes and it would have been just as entertaining. It would have actually. Oh my God. The first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes were like... This game was caffeinated. I don't know what... The speed that Juventus came... Well, both of them actually. You know, it was the speed they were moving the ball, not just the, the running. And Sandro was like doing some... He's been on one. like a triathlete. But just so many things like... You know what I love about this game was it was sort of, I think, 4-4-2 for Juve and a 4-2-3-1 for Milan. But they kind of matched up. But individual players like Bram Diaz, Rafael Liao... And I have the, my favourite Milan is actually the Milan without the slower strikers. Not because I, you know, Zlatan gives, he knots together the front line. So yeah, I get what you mean though. Yeah. But like when they have that fluidity, they really like something else. And the one criticism I have of, the one criticism I got of um, Milan with that fluid front line is Rebic wasn't occupying the six yard box enough. It's the one thing he does. It's kind of like he betrays his kind of wide forward origins where he doesn't always go central. Cause you know, at Frankfurt, he was more of a forager. He was off the wide players and would go central on the counter. But when against deep line defences, he'd often go out wide. And he did it again against Juventus so much this game. And when he finally went central, he got rewarded. And I was like, that's your lesson. You're, you're a highly mobile nine. Mm. You can play wide, but you need to get more central. And he did it to great effect. Because Chiellini and Bonucci for like large stretches were doing some really great stuff in defence. They were really fantastic. Um, but Juve as well, like another great um, headline uh, must be Maratta's brilliant finish. Juve's that goal, goal was so good. Absolutely. Everything Alvaro Morata promised to be, he showed in that in yeah. that goal. Like the counter was gorgeous. From as well. And yeah, uh, a great assist, great finish. Hernandez, des- I was like, Hernandez is going to bring him down. He's going to bring him down. He's going to bring him down. He's going to bring him down. And I was like, actually, fair play, Teo. Fair yeah. play, because you are a stronger man than I, because I would have scythed him down <laughs> and marched off gloriously after four minutes to a red. A heroic yeah. red. A classy red. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A heroic red. Um, look what you yeah. made me do. Like you turn around to the centre midfielders. <laughs> look what you made me do. <laughs> I have an apology to make actually because do I... You? Um, me? Yeah, I was watching... No, I was watching... No, I'll never apologise to you. Never. I'll never quit that app. I was going to say, no, just um, one, really? Just, just one. No, <laughs> I apologise. I dragged you into this podcast, but no, I've got an apology <laughs> to make to Luis Miguel Echegaray, uh, CBS. Yeah. yeah. So I noticed, I was like, oh my God, like... Adam Driver, San Antonio, looks so similar. Yep. And then I was like, oh my God. And then Lewis was like, oh, great minds think alike. And he was like, and he shows me that he tweeted this like a year ago. And, you, and yeah, I you. commented beneath the actual tweet. And I'm like, how the hell? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm in your subconscious. I want to apologize to Lewis because I felt, I felt really bad about this actually. Tweetception. Um, tweetception. Good dude, by the way. Yeah, great guy. Great on CBS. Great hire for them. They are really impressive, I think, as an axis in this game, Kessie and Tonali. But shout out to Ismail Benesser, right? Can I say this? Sorry, Arsenal. How did you let this player go? Oh, just add him to the list. There's a thing that happens when clubs from transition, and you know, the ownership's not quite sure and coaching styles are changing when really good players sit through gaps. And I'm not even criticizing Arsenal specifically for this because it happens to all clubs, right? You always let one get away and he's definitely one that got away. Yeah. Uh, it's, just nice, it's just nice to see players like that Happy. Same thing would happen with Bram Diaz. Bram Diaz looks so happy at Milan. Really settled. He's had, with him, it was difficult. It was almost like, you know, when a player has like two big clubs, you start to fear for them. Mm-hmm. Like the Lasana Diara thing. If you miss out, if you've got two big clubs and you, you go through them quickly, your third one really matters. And he went through City, went to Madrid, and you were kind of like, 
Milan's kind of his last stop before he starts slipping down the pyramid. And he's absolutely found his place there. So yeah, shout out to Juve Milan. They just, it, it's a gorgeous game. If you get a chance to rewatch it, I would definitely check it out. Even for half an hour, of just like absorbing it. Great, it, was, great it was totally like the first 20 minutes were just all Juve and they could have been two or three up, I think. Yeah, and then the yeah. last 20 minutes were all Milan and they could have won the yeah. game. And the midsection was kind of like, they both kind of found themselves a bit. And what I love about the game was different players step forward at different points to like sort of stand out. So yeah. You've in trouble though, man, because they are now four games into the season and they are without a league win. They're in the bottom three. Level on points with Cagliari, below Venezia, who lost And again. the problem is the other teams above them, like Inter, my goodness, Inter have retooled so well, beat Bologna 6-1. They've retooled really well. They're just above Milan. Napoli have won their first three. Lazio have had a couple of stutters, but they've, look like they've got goals in them. You know, Roma got a reverse against Verona, but having said that, I mean, Verona, they beat Verona, but they got beaten by Verona 3-2. But first of all, the conditions of Verona were absolutely awful. Oh, and secondly, and also like Verona won with a wonder goal. And you, don't keep goal. The, yeah, you don't keep those out. Yeah. That was a really that good game that actually. It was a really, really, really fun really, game. Really, really good. Really good. There's a point separating the top five in the league at the moment. We're recording this ahead of Napoli-Udinese, which is the Monday night game. Napoli travelling to Udine where do you want to go next do you want to go La Liga yeah let's do it Let's do I it. mean Real Madrid left it late against Valencia a good Valencia side Bordalas is doing a really good job at Valencia mm. I quite liked the symmetry of this Vinicius Junior on the 86th minute assisted by Karim Benzema Karim Benzema on the on the 88th minute assisted by Vinicius Junior Benzema likes him now interesting that yeah yeah well you know brother brother he's trying to hurt us don't give him the ball brother brother yeah. brother are oh, you not saying that now the when the ball gets crossed into the box in the 88th minute are you Kareem are you like me now <laughs> yeah they look very chummy now it's nice to see that nice to see that and it's great to see him scoring because it's the pressure at Madrid yeah but know? also this is his best goal scoring season already at yeah. Madrid you, you called it didn't you so Mbappe not going there was really good for him yeah, well, I mean, yeah, having yeah. them, I don't think that's a wild take, just freeing up space because Hazard is just in and out. Obviously, Bale's injured again now. And yeah, I, mean, I think people forget with Vinicius Jr. how good he was in like 2018 when he broke into that Real Madrid squad. He was really dangerous. And yeah. then he got that horrible injury, which kept him out for a while. Hard to get rhythm back, yeah. It's a really important win. Sends Real Madrid top because Atleti drew on Saturday at home to Athletic Club. Uh, feisty game this Jao Felix with a red back to back bookings in a split second and off he went naughty Jao you called it naughty, naughty Jao, Jao yeah. Felix um, Atleti were not great although there was a weird decision right at the end where the ref blew up when Atleti were on the counter attack uh, that looked <laughs> the ref was just like enough of this yeah it was like get me out of here uh, quick shouts to Can I, is there anything more Anything more on brand than an Atleti week of football with <laughs> no. two, two nil-nil draws, but we're full of incident? I mean, say what you yeah. want, but like we said that Simeone has been caught, seems to have been caught between two stalls over the last season or so. He hasn't in the last week. No, not at all. He's very, very clear. Very much. He's very much in his bag. clear plan. Yeah. He's in his bag. The thing is, he's probably <laughs> sat at home being like, good week. Really good so, week. The suffering is necessary. We are suffering, therefore we must suffer. Exactly, the anxiety um, exists. Shout out Rao Vaikano. Yeah, great win for them. Uh, beating Katafe 3-0. Radamel Falcao scoring on his debut. Wearing the number three shirt in tribute to his father because it's the number that his father wore. I think he's going to score a ton of goals for Rao. 
they are a team that's got a good um, intensity about them and they just have, they've often felt like they need a finishing piece. Some games I've seen them play in where they run teams close and they just don't have that, mm. that clinical, that clinical person up top. So I'm really, I'm really hyped for them actually. I've, yeah. I mean, they just need to stay in the league. Mm. Yeah. 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 Anything else you want to shout out from La Liga? Yeah. I don't want to objectify him, but just absurdly handsome man, Falcao. He's a good, yeah, he's a good looking dude, man. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I always forget that he was only at Atleti for two seasons. It was his, this is the thing, it's because he was so good. Yeah. He was so good that he basically was like, you know what it was? And he was so good at Atleti at a point where the kind of, um, the centre forward was like thought to be a slightly endangered species. There, there, were, there were nine scoring goals, but there was that kind of, you know, number nine's ebb and flow, right? In terms of like their prominence. And at the time when like, the old school centre forward is in slightly short supply. He was just like outrageously good. Mm. And then he went on that incredible run of form. And then, I mean, they're very, you know, you don't want any strike, any player to get an injury. You feel sorry for all players that get injured. If there's any player I felt, I think most sorry from the last sort of few years of football, it was Falcao's injury before the World Cup because he was such a team player. He was absolutely the player they needed at the tip of the attack. And you look how good they were in that World Cup without him. Mm. With Falcao, I mean, Hamas Rodriguez had an astonishing tournament, but with Falcao up top, not just for his goals, but his leadership and his charisma and his just like, you know, he was an ambassador in that team. Goodness knows what Colombia could have done. And you see that sort of celebration when they go back and he was at the games and he went to all the games and mm. was supporting. When they returned to Colombia and they got the heroes welcome, you just thought, oh, that is one of the most unfortunate sporting injuries in context, given the form he was on and what he meant to that team. So yeah, shout out to him. And it took him so long to get back from it as well. Like, you know, obviously went through that United, the rehab and, you know, we were quite, we were quite mean to him United in terms of the fandom. And a lot of us forgot the injury that he'd had, how horrific it had been. So glad to see him back up and, up and running. Let's go to yeah. France. Let's do it. Because it was a very silly game on Sunday night in Liga between PSG and Lyon. Extremely silly. Yeah. Uh, Lyon taking the lead from Lucas Paqueta. Lovely counter. It was a lovely counter. And actually I thought Lyon were the better side. Yeah, Overall. I thought so. I thought so. And, you know, this is the, the reason I feel very, you know, we probably both feel this way. The reason I feel so sorry for Leon was the game plan was working perfectly. Mm. And the penalty award, was I don't like. so bad. It is, this is the worst penalty that was awarded at the weekend. So bad. He, Neymar dragged his defender to the ground and was given a penalty for his trouble. Awful, awful decision, in my opinion. It was so strange as well. It just took the absolute life out of Lyon because you were like, they don't have another goal in them. And that's not a criticism of them. It's just because, you know, to get to the PSG backline, you've got to break, you've got to break past, you know, three of the best forwards that have ever done it. You've got to break through the midfield of Herrera and Gay and Herrera's in very good form. And Andrisa Gay is extremely good at ball recovery and pressing. And then through the backline, you know, they're not slouches. And I really felt for Lyon because you saw them a bit deflated at that point. And the strange thing is this, that, even after the goal, the PSG goal, and it was one-way traffic, Messi was not involved in one-way traffic. And the game kind of, second half in particular, it really passed him by. Yeah, he had that one free kick that he hit off the bar. Yeah, but then other than that, you know, he, there was a couple of nice pieces of combination, but this is Messi we're talking about. And to be honest with you, you know, he got subbed off after 76 minutes. For there was a right bit of talk. Up, there was a bit of talk. Well, actually, it was a good sub in the end, wasn't it? Because that's where the... Um, it was a good sub in the end because it allowed the play to get pushed up and it was a good tactical change. 
But I think it's a sign of the kind of early days, obviously, but Messi looked great for Argentina against Bolivia. And yes, he's been traveling. So there's maybe some tiredness, but at the same time, I'm not seeing the cohesion with PSG. I'm not seeing... Oh, there's zero. The thing I was watching, I was thinking the whole game was just like, this is actually quite a tough watch. Yeah, yeah. How does a side that has a front three of Mbappe, Neymar and Messi, how are they a tough watch? I was thinking back to the games that they've played this season. And I think that the most fun PSG have been have been when Neymar and Messi haven't been there. Mm. When Mbappe is kind of taken charge and been given the space to really dominate and if you think about it as a deputy yeah and it kind of happened a little bit last season like with the Barcelona game for example it was like Mbappe took it on himself and was given the responsibility to go and do it and this is the thing we are huge Lionel Messi fans yeah we're basing this on one game against Lyon but the fit just doesn't really look that way and I think that a lot of people will say well what about Neymar like Messi and Neymar played together at Barcelona it was great yeah but what was the configuration Neymar was where Mbappe plays Yes. Messi was on the opposite flank and uh, Luis Suarez was essentially a pivot in yes. the nine position. Yes. It fit. Yeah. And there was a point in the second half I was watching PSG and Neymar was basically in the sixth position. I was just like, this guy's got too much freedom. Neymar, I think at PSG, and this is why I'd, I was a little bit worried from a footballing fit about Messi coming in there because Neymar at PSG, what he has compared to what he had at Barcelona was, it's almost like the, there was always like one kid whose parents are kind of like practicing some kind of like experimental parenting when they're like, oh no, we don't actually discipline them. We just <laughs> let them, we let them problem solve themselves. And it's like, guys, they're two and a half. Like <laughs> Neymar, I think is, is very much kind of like that. He seems like he has that run of the, the PSG playground where it's like, no, 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 we don't tell, we don't tell Neymar off. If you think about the last stages of Messi's career at Barca, he was dropping deeper and deeper because he was becoming much more of a playmaker. The problem, the problem at PSG is, this is what I was saying to Mayoro that I was talking about that text before, it gives them a spacing issue because you're basically having two players who want to be the one who starts dropping deeper as a playmaker and they essentially just cancel each other out. And it's weird because you have Neymar has kind of got the seniority over ne- Messi at PSG in that sense. Right. It's super weird. It's super weird. And then you've got like like Mbappe on the right, on the left-hand side, just being like, well, I'll sort it then. They've got some big problems to solve because if they're not careful, PSG, they could get absolutely coated by someone in the Champions League. They could go through, look, they've won six straight in Liga, a game they really shouldn't have won. um, And they're not being tested. They're not being tested. Well, they're, they're being tested, but they're not losing because they've got just so much resources. And if you could bring in a Cardi, who would, would frankly would start, the winner, yeah. Icardi would start for most, let's be frank, Icardi probably start for every other team in Liga. Not because oh, yeah, those yeah. teams are poor, but because he's a, he's a brilliant, yeah, because he's just, he's he would, brilliant, yeah. right? People, yeah, he's I brilliant. think a lot of people forget how good Mauro Icardi right. is. Icardi's is, brilliant. Yeah. So Icardi starts in the team in Liga, comes off the bench and gets a late winner because that's what Icardi does because he's that good. A lovely and, assist from Mbappe. Yeah, lovely assist. Um, and then you're like, well, but where are, the, where are the real tests, the brutal tests? Marseille might do something. We'll see. Marseille might do something because Sampaoli is showing signs of life with them. But fundamentally, they, then the, at the moment, it's very early days, but this has got second round blowout all over it. 
It's completely early days. They'll probably be fine. They've got Sergio Ramos to come in. And to be honest, who thought that out of all of the signings they made this summer, it was probably going to be Sergio Ramos to make them fun? Oh my goodness. Who would have thought, if someone had said to you two years ago, Messi will look vastly happier playing for Argentina than he will for his club side, you would have roared with laughter. On a serious note though, I know it's easy to poke fun at PSG because of the resources and, and the ownership structure and stuff like that and um, just how financially dominant they are compared to the rest of the league. Mm. But from a footballing sense, I do wonder whether they might fix up when Ramos comes in. Well, mm. It's going to be really interesting to see what this Sergio Ramos will be at PSG. Because he's got nothing to prove. In the same way that Leo Messi has it. Messi made this thing about, you know, he wants to win Champions Leagues again. And I think there is still a little bit of a, there is still a little bit of a motive there for, for Messi because obviously he hasn't won the Champions League since 2015. But Ramos is kind of like... It allows Marquinhos to go into midfield and it allows Kimpembe to have a senior partner, which I think is important. Which, we, which he has in Marquinhos, but I think Marquinhos is so good in the middle of the park. I don't know. I just think they're, they're kind of odd. It's a weird fit for Poch as well to coach, isn't it? To coach that configuration. I mean, that striker. look that Messi gave him when he came off. To the point where he even commented on it. You know, you talk about it and I was like, he even addressed it in the post-match thing. He said, oh, no, no, he said he was fine. And I'm like, look, you can't read too much into it, but he did, didn't look fine. Well, I seen the look on Messi's face before when you've forgotten to let the cat in. When you let the cat in, in the morning and it walks past you and the look it gives you as it walks past, it's like you've got a and lot of cheek. Night. Yeah, out all night. That was the look that Messi, Messi was like, ah. it was, yeah. And I mean, you know, joking aside, that was... Um, that's not, that's, not, that's not a hassle you want. I think they were extremely lucky. And I think they were, like we said before, probably the worst decision of the weekend in terms of that penalty. And the fact it went to VAR and didn't get overruled. Like, I, I was so convinced this was going to get overturned. I went to put the kettle on. Yeah. Wild. Laughable, laughable decision. Yeah. Anyway. But, the, but this is the, the weird thing about PSG is that we're talking about how weird they are. And like you said, they've won six straight. They're five, five points clear at the top. They're going to win the league, I think. Yeah, I think so. The challenge for them is just like they won't, be, they won't get the test they need. Should we go to Germany before we wrap? Let's do it. Last but definitely not least, headline game here. Headline game. Well, I think we have to shout out Bayern's demolition you, of Bochum. We absolutely do because they maintain intensity the whole game and that was wonderful. Um, I mean, Gladbach are in trouble losing to Augsburg. That's not a good result. It's not. And RB Leipzig's draw away at Köln considering their run form is not a good result. No. Although, why would you ever bet against Stefan Baumgart? You wouldn't. But isn't it funny, Leipzig and Gladbach, have, we, we said that some teams with the new, with the new bosses would come slow out of the blocks. We expected Rose to do pretty well. I think he's done a bit better than I expected. That. I think he's got them more cohesive than I expected. They're mega fun. Nagelsmann's better, better than I thought as well, which is great. I mean, he's great Nagelsmann, but bar is so high for him in terms of excitation. But certainly... And also, like, shout out to Wolfsburg. Van Bommel's done better than I thought he would do as well. Although, having said that, Wolfsburg... Had a very kind run. It was, and also, also, like, it's a solid scaffolding there. In terms of, like, Wolfsburg, they don't really get hammered. I was looking through the results, and actually, there's very rarely they get beaten by more than a couple of goals. Mm. Very rare. It's kind of like, they're like, they're like a kind of, um, they're like a German Levante in a weird kind of way. Obviously, Levante have got fewer resources, but in terms of the fact that, like, they don't, in terms of the sense, they don't get absolutely drilled by teams and they will take points off teams that will inhibit them from going on and winning the whole thing. Um, 
But yeah, uh, so those, yeah, difficult results for them. But Dortmund, I think to me, shout out to, first of all, Bayern 7, Bochum 0. Have to respect that. Joshua Kimmich with great intensity. Leroy Sané showing so many signs of life now. Really funny moment when Lewandowski scores quite late on. It's always very funny when a prolific number nine scores late on in a thrashing and looks relieved having got a goal. Uh, so that was great to see. But yeah, the headline for me was the Dortmund Union, which I was looking forward to all weekend and did not disappoint. It was a really good game, huh? It was great. It was uh, really Jude Bellingham great. is just... Uh, oh God, are we really pushing this? We really pushing? We really pushing this agenda? Yes, we are. Yes, we are pushing yeah. it. <laughs> Jude celebrations, even when he doesn't score, they're just lovely. There was one where because he set up the uh, the uh, what was the Marvin Friedrich own goal? He kind of did the pre-assist, I suppose, yeah. for it. Pre-assist for an own goal. And he's just kind of sat on the advertising hoarding. Everyone's kind of celebrating. And then he just turns around to look at the crowd and just does a little like nod and smile. <laughs> and afterwards, because Mounier um, crossed for Holland's goal. Yeah. Holland's first goal. And Mounier's doing a post-match interview and Bellingham's there and he just turns to the camera and he's just like, it's the Belgian Beckham. <laughs> <laughs> he's iconic. He's iconic. But a quick shout out for Rafa Guerrero who opened the scoring with absolute worldy. Two beauties in two games now, I think. He's amazing, man. He's so good. Probably Dortmund's most consistent performer for the last two or three seasons, I think. It's brilliant. It's just brilliant. It's so good. Yeah. And then Holland's second was amazing. Just such a funny goal because Hummels had the ball in his own half and he was just stood there and no one was really moving. And he had a bit of a, kind of had a bit of a go at everyone still on the ball. He wasn't being pressured at all. And then you just saw Holland make a curved run. Hummels yes. pings it into the channel. It kind of bounces once and it's going away from Holland. Yeah. And he kind of does a jump and a flings a leg out. Um, so so Zlatan style improv. It's, it's very a, much. It's a, similar, it's a similar body shape to Zlatan's and overhead in terms kick of, against and, England. And also yeah. terms, in terms of the invention as well, in mm. terms of the actual, like, if I'm honest with you, it's a, it's a, it's a finish I didn't think he had in him, not because he's not brilliant, but because it's just a kind of, it's a way in which I hadn't seen him be tested. Mm. So when he, when he conjured that, I was like, you know, a thing like that is okay. He's going to get forward, great first touch, drive on and just hammer it in the corner. But no, he just actually went for it. And there's a funny thing with Holland actually in the course of this game, it was almost like watching like, it was like watching a Pokemon evolve, like doing more and more things you hadn't seen him do before. So for example, I think obviously Marco Rosa had said to him, we need more headed goals from you. And then I didn't, he probably, he scores the headed goal. And then he was like tapping his head to go, look, I scored a headed goal. And Rosa blows him a kiss going, that looks amazing. And I was laughing. And actually someone, someone wrote to us and tagged us and was like, oh my God, stand there. Did you see Marco Rosa blowing all in the kiss? <laughs> oh, that's all right. Don't worry. We see everything. Um, but yeah, but there was funny because also the, the thing about the timing of the Holland goal, which is so impressive was what I loved about the, not only the goal, because the goal is like one of the goals of the weekend. Um, and it will probably end up as one of the sort of top, you know, it probably, if there's a Bundesliga top 20 goals this season, it's already a contender for top 20, right? I think it's that good. But the funny thing about the goal is it comes a few minutes after Union come back to 3-2 and he gets out jumped for a corner. He, he mistimes his header for the corner. So he's kind of like, there's an element of looking for redemption there because Union made the game tight, tighter than it should be. And he goes and scores that. And I thought, I really love that as a kind of, if you want to know what Holland is all about, you look at the first half where he occupies the front line and you look at his reaction to mistiming his jump for the head that allows Union to get the second goal back and you see the goal he scores and you're like, this player, you said it like Bellingham. You said it about Bellingham and it's true of Holland as well. 
keeps passing every test that's put in front of him. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. He nearly had an amazing back heel as well. Yeah. Yeah. Not long after that second goal. Yes. Yes. Would have made it five. Was it five two? It would have been. Yeah. Five two at that yeah. point. Yeah. Because um, Max Cruiser had made it three two with a penalty. Uh, let's have a quick shout for Leverkusen because they beat Stuttgart 3-1 and they were very impressive and uh, I nearly tweeted about being excited about them but then I remembered what happened last season yeah so I'm going to hold fire and see what they do but the Bundesliga is, is shaping up to be really interesting because you have Leipzig Stuttgart Eintracht Frankfurt and Gladbach all in the bottom half of the table which I don't think a lot of people would have predicted earlier on in the season. I had my, I think my wild hot take for the season was that Stuttgart might get a European spot this year. Mm. And they still might, but they've kind of struggled a little bit in the opening few games. They've played good sides though. Leipzig are concerning though still. Only one win in, the, in Jesse Marsh's opening five games in the league. And obviously if you take into account the Champions League as well, they, when they lost in midweek against City. I mean, they've got goals in them at least. That's the one they can say. They've got goals in them. That's not enough. I think there are going to be a lot of twists and turns in the Bundesliga this season. For sure. For sure. Um, anything else you want to shout out? I think we're good. That, can I say that was, a, that was a great weekend of football. I got it really my, was, huh? I got all my vitamins this weekend. Yeah. I got to feel everything. So thanks. Thank you. Thank you, football. That's it for this week. Don't forget to check Wrighty's house on Wednesday with Mayoa and myself joining Wrighty. Uh, don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer or just theringer.com in general. You can find us on Twitter at Stadio, Stadio Football on Instagram. And don't forget to check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Speaking of which, we're playing that on Philip Wright. Keep her happy. Well, this week, football kept me happy. Aw. There we go. Uplifting. Okay, I'm not even going to ask you if there's anything more to add because I think that's so poetic. It's almost like you're a poet or something. <laughs> uh, on that note, we'll be back on Thursday, Wright's House Wednesday. Much love, everyone. See you then. See you then. See you then.